hey, 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 it's your girl, <laughs> or not, Steffi J, back with another episode of Opinionated by Design. If you're returning, welcome back. If you're new, don't forget to hit that follow button, and welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, y'all, you know what time it is. Go grab your sip and come right back. You know, we had some bad news over the last couple of weeks. We've lost some great people over the last couple of weeks. Five of them. Bill Russell, a barrier-breaking basketball player for the Boston Celtics, has passed on at 88 years old. Russell's awesome rebounding triggered a Celtics fast break that overwhelmed the rest of the NBA during his heyday. In his final 14 years as a basketball player, Bill's team participated in 21 winner-take-all contests, and of course you know his team won all 21. Bill Russell is the GOAT. He was also heavy into activism. I mean, he stood up for all things inequitable. He fought for his black people. He had his organization going, and um, from what I understand, he auctioned off some of his NBA memorabilia. his, his uh, NBA championship rings, I think there were like 11 of them. <laughs> he ain't got but 10 fingers. <laughs> but he auctioned off his uh, rings to raise money for his organization so that he continue, can, can continue to fight that good fight. But the funny part with that story is Shaq. Shaq sweeped in there like, I'm getting all these rings. I don't care how much money I got to bid. All the rings are coming home with me. And they did. <laughs> So we'll see how well they work out for Shaq. But um, as I said, Mr. Bill Russell's gone. You know, um, we can't forget Mary Alice, an Emmy and Tony Award winning actress who brought a delicate grace and a quiet dignity to any role that she played. Such as The Matrix Revolutions. Television sitcoms like where I first met her on A Different World and Broadway places like Fences. Mary Alice never got the accolades that she should have got as an actress. Mary Alice was a phenomenal actress. Phenomenal. In any role she played, she turned out into her own. It's just awesome. Just awesome. But she died at her home in Manhattan, and she was 85 years old. We also lost Miss Olivia Newton-John. After a 30-year battle with breast cancer, she fought like the Dickens. As they say in that commercial, I think the breast cancer commercial says, fight like a girl, and that she did. She was whooping it. She was whooping it for 30 years. I remember her in Greece, and I don't like no musicals, but I love me some Greece. You better shape up, because I need a man. Remember she told John Travolta that. <laughs> Yeah, well, Miss Olivia Newton-John has passed away. We also have Mr. Roger T.C. Mosley. Y'all know him. He was the cool dude in Magnum P.I. 
Yeah, that's the one Magnum always went to when he needed to get the job done. He always went to Mr. T.C. driving them fly cars. Well, it's ironic that he died after injury suffered in a car accident. And I think he was 85 as well. I know he was in his 80s. We cannot forget Nichelle Nichols, best known for her groundbreaking portrayal of Lieutenant Uhura in Star Trek, the original series. She died, and she was 89 years old. When she started in Star Trek, which was in 1966, a black woman in a notable role on a primetime TV series? That was a rarity. That was probably a nunity, never mind a rarity. But they had been African-American women on TV before. But usually they were playing domestic workers, you know, nannies, maids, and whores, and junkies, and anything that was disparaging is what they were playing. But not Miss Nichols. She was actually the first woman to be part of the first interracial kiss that was ever aired on national television. And that's the kiss that she shared with Captain Kirk. <laughs> and after her years um, on Star Trek, she dedicated herself to the space program. She helped NASA create a more diverse company. She helped recruit astronaut Sally Ride, Judith Resnick, and Guillaume Bluford. So, I mean, she stayed in space doing what she had to do. That, that was a part of her. <laughs> Even the, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called her, it's the first non-stereotypical role portrayed by a black woman in television history. Wow, Michelle, you go ahead. Mr. Bill Russell, Miss Mary Alice, Miss Olivia Newton-John, Mr. Roger Mosley, and Michelle Nichols. It is all over now, and your legacies, awesome legacies, have been written. May you all rest in eternal peace. All right, fam, I got a feel-good story for you, and it's about a kid. You know how we like them feel-good kid stories. Well, the Guinness World Record as of 2019 has added a new name to their list of young achievers. And her name is Victory Brinker. And she is the youngest opera singer in the world. If you go on YouTube, put in Victory Brinker, and her stuff just pops up. You have got to look at this child. She is awesome. Brinker started on the path before her sixth birthday with the assistance of her adoptive mother. According to the website, Because of Them We Can, Brinka is one of 11 children in her household. She was born in 2012 and was already performing on live television at the tender age of seven. Brinka states, I love the challenge of the difficult arrangements, the technique required to sing, all the runs, and the different languages all the arias are written in. That's awesome. So you know what? I'm going to let you hear a little clip of Miss Victory Brinker.
Now, wasn't that awesome? You hear hit that note? I couldn't have reached that note with a ladder and a, and a boost. <laughs> and Little Miss Victory already has a contract as a professional opera singer. And she meets with a vocal coach in order to fine-tune her talents. This practice includes learning to sing across the range of three full octaves and in seven different languages. Miss Victory shows appreciation for the people who support her skill, including her mother. And this is what she said. She said, my mom taught me how to sing and helps me believe I can do anything. No matter what I want to do next, she finds a way to help me do it. She is always cheering me on. Miss Brinka has made appearances on multiple television shows, including Little Big Shots, Dr. Phil, and most recently, America's Got Talent. That is awesome. You go, girl. Y'all check out that YouTube, Victory Brinker. Awesome little girl. Hey, y'all, I ran across another feel-good child story. I mean, I don't know about you, but at 13 years old, all I could think about was jumping doubles and trying to figure out a way to hang out with my friends past the streetlights. <laughs> Excuse me, but... Little Miss Alina Wicker is a 13-year-old who's getting ready to do big things. Wicker was accepted to the University of Alabama's Hearsink School of Medicine. Her accomplishment makes her the youngest black student to be accepted to medical school in the United States. She is currently taking undergrad courses at Arizona State University and Oakwood University in Huntsville. And Ms. Wicker is planning to start her medical school coursework in 2024. That is so, so, so awesome. Let's give it to her again. <laughs> Congratulations, Ms. Alina Wicker. All right. Let's talk about it. Brittany Griner. Everybody is up in arms. They gave this woman nine years out of a possible 10-year sentence in a Russian prison. The U.S. and everybody is all up in arms. Free Brittany, free Brittany, free Brittany. They're doing this because she's black. They're doing this because she's gay. No, they're doing this because it's a political move. And right now, it's all about having the upper hand. This woman's been playing basketball over in Russia, so she knows the drill. They know the drill. You think they don't know before that she had those? But now she's just a pawn in a political game. I do not think as long as they are treating her fairly, I don't come home for what? She broke the law. I understand that she didn't mean to. But it doesn't negate the fact that she broke the law. This has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with sexual orientation. This has everything to do with politics. Now I was telling the other guy, and I feel bad because I can't even think of his name right now, that they want to trade in exchange, Paul Whelan's his name. They want to trade Brittany Griner. And Paul Whelan, who nobody was thinking about before Brittany Griner got arrested, 
for a Russian arms dealer named Victor Bout. All right. Now, as I said, and I'll say it again, Brittany Griner broke the law. It doesn't appear to me in any instance of when I seen her that she appears to be being mistreated. Brittany Griner needs to serve out her sentence in a Russian prison. We don't need to trade her for a Russian arms dealer. Why would you let an arms dealer go? Now, I could see if somehow, some way, she was being mistreated. That's something totally different. And I understand this ain't right. I understand that what they did to her, it wasn't right. No, it wasn't. They, they really didn't have to do this. But again, this was a political move. And again, Britney broke the law. Y'all remember that movie, Broke Down Palace? Well, if you've never watched that movie, you need to go and watch that movie. Now, that right there is people to feel sorry for. That right there is Americans to fight for. Now, I'm not saying Brittany ain't important. She's very important. But Brittany Griner does not deserve to be released. She broke the law. Again, they were wrong. They didn't have to go that harsh on I understand that. And they didn't. But as long as she's being treated humanely, and not being mistreated at all in any kind of way. There is no reason for us to be releasing a Russian arms dealer to get her in the United States. I say we keep a check and make sure things are going the right way. I know a lot of y'all probably want to take my head off right now. And the rest of y'all are probably surprised that I even feel this way. But I had to think about it. I heard somebody say something. And I had to really think about what they were saying. And I agreed with them. I agreed with them. We do not need to be trading Russian arms dealers to get Brittany Griner out of jail. That's my take on the Brittany Griner, and I'm going to let it go with that. I'm ducking because I see the shoe coming at my head. <laughs> All right, now y'all should have known it was coming because I'm greedy. I got two food stories for y'all. The first one, Cracker Barrel. They got some serious blowback. I mean, people were angry, and they did not hesitate to let Cracker Barrel know. But you'll never believe why these people were mad. I mean, the Cracker Barrel is a place where you can feast on meatloaf, three country sides, and a buttermilk biscuit, while seated next to a stone hearth or with an oil lamp silently flickering on your table. It's a place where you can... After your meal, buy a glass angel, a peacock fountain, or a cowhide pillow in the attached gift store. Get your dress, get your shirt, get you some of that old-time candy that you can't find no place else. It's the kind of place that presents itself as America's front porch, a rural refuge far from the cultural strife of our cities. But Cracker Barrel's country tranquility was, a re was apparently shattered recently. When the chain announced on Facebook that customers could customize their breakfast plate with a plant-based protein as a replacement for their traditional bacon or smoked sausage, a.k.a. the Impossible Sausage. Cracker Barrel now offers the Impossible Sausage. 
They said, experience the out-of-this-world flavor of impossible. <laughs> Sausage made from plants the next time you build your own breakfast. Yeah, well, the blowback was immediate. These people were very angry, and I don't understand why. Because just like everything else on the menu that you don't like or you don't want or you don't eat, don't order it. We had one person say, I just lost a great deal of respect for a once great Tennessee company. Somebody said, if I wanted a salad, I would in fact order a salad. Stop with the plant-based meat crap. Oh no, the Cracker Barrel has gone woke. It really is the end of times. But then you had some people on the other side. Thank you, Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. You understand the direction the world is going in. Whether you are doing it for marketing, profit, or personal reasons, the vegans appreciate that there will be less suffering in the world because of your choice to offer cruelty-free food. Ain't that something? Like I said, I can't understand what made people so upset. Because like I said, if you don't want the impossible sausage, the impossible burger, the impossible french fries, the impossible plant base, whatever, then don't order it. But don't have such a hissy fit about something so small. There are people that eat that way, so why can't they go to Cracker Barrel and eat the way they like to eat? You're doing it. I don't see them complaining about all the pork and the beef and the poultry that you're stuffing in your mouth. They're not even paying attention because they're too busy eating their impossible sausage. (laughs) People get over yourselves. Get over yourselves and pick and choose your battles. And them serving impossible sausage somehow to me is not a battle that should be taken on by anybody. I say kudos to Cracker Barrel for thinking about the other rest of the people that don't eat meat. There's a lot of people that's doing this lifestyle change where they're changing their diets to plant-based. All this meat is killing us. Don't get me wrong, I eat meat. I eat pork. I eat beef. I eat Poultry, I eat it all. But it ain't good for us, and we all know that. But I ain't got nothing to say. If you want to eat an impossible whatever, you have at it. And you enjoy every chew of it. And all the rest of y'all, get over yourselves. Get over yourselves and worry about what you stuffing in your face. (laughs) Yeah, that's too funny. The other thing, oh my, I thought I was going to pass out. When Klondike's Choco Taco is discontinued after 40 years. Yes, discontinued. Can you believe that? That taco-shaped frozen treat consisted of light vanilla ice cream encased in a waffle cone. And it was halfway covered with milk chocolate and topped with peanuts. I remember when I first seen a Choco Taco or even knew what a Choco Taco was is when I lived in Bridgeport. And I was working at this place called Wade's Dairy. So, you know, that explains. And they had boxes upon boxes. Because what I would do was call restaurants and take a dairy order. Where they would order milks, butters, cheeses, ice creams, whatever they needed on the dairy side for their restaurants. We would call these restaurants, take the order. They would, you know, pack up the truck and send it on. But that's how I first learned of a Choco Taco. And I fell in love. And now to find out. That they said that with all the other ice creams that they have going, that there was a dip in sales for the Choco Taco. 
They did bring it back in February, you know, shortly in February, and they partnered with Taco Bell, bringing it back, you know, for a limited time as part of Klondike's 100-year anniversary. And uh, I- I'm I'm thrown off. I mean, I don't even really know what to say. And Serena Williams' husband, you know, he said he'd like to buy the right to the Choco Taco and keep it from melting away from future generations. You know what? I caught myself. It's Serena Williams' husband. But that's funny because before he married Serena Williams, he was known as Alexis Ohanian. After that, he was known as the co-founder of Reddit. And now he is known as Serena Williams' husband. But hey, he should be happy. He got a catch. So, goodbye, Choco Taco. I was devastated. But then... A few days later, I read another article that said, "Er, stop the press. We have received numerous emails, phone calls, texts, and every other form of communication that says, stop the discontinuation. We love Choco Taco. Don't do this to us. Please don't do this to us. Don't do this to me. So, Klondike has decided they're not going to discontinue the Choco Taco. They are not going to discontinue it. They are going to be repackaging, repurposing, redoing, and putting it back out for the masses. The actual launch date of when the Choco Taco will start selling nationwide all over the place again, they haven't released that. But I guess sometimes complaining does get you what you want. Yay for Choco Taco. I wish I had one in the refrigerator right now. Yeah, I remember those. (laughs) Those were good. Thanks, Klondike. Now, you know, I really need to know what in the world is wrong with people. We have an 11-year-old boy from Everett, Washington. That's Washington State, for those who don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Everett, Washington was scammed by a man who bought a drink from the boy's lemonade stand using a counterfeit $100 bill. Now, this 11-year-old spent his allowance money to set up the lemonade stand to earn extra cash. Now, on this Facebook post, it says the man bought a drink from Jeremy with a counterfeit bill, counterfeit $100 bill, and asked for exact change, to which Jeremy could give only $85 using his allowance. Jeremy found out that the $100 bill was fake when he tried to purchase something at a local gas station. That's terrible. Why would you do that to some kid? Well, the neighbors started a GoFundMe for Jeremy, looking to get about $250 to, you know, get the kid his money back. But so far, it's raised over $9,000 as of this recording. It's raised over $9,000. Can you all believe that? Isn't that awesome? So hopefully they can raise a whole lot more for young Jeremy. Jeremy, we're sorry that such idiots are in the world. This grown man running around stealing money from children. He ought to be ashamed of himself. But you got that money back in plus. So Jeremy, you keep on selling your lemonade. You keep on being the entrepreneur that you are. Good luck to you, kid. Um, there's another story. This kid, you know, these are the 
evils of social media. Now we're talking about TikTok. You know all these different challenges that are out there that they have you doing? Well, some of them are real dangerous. And and a lot of kids have lost their lives trying to do some of these TikTok challenges. And the latest kid to lose his his life, excuse me, is 12-year-old Archie Battersby. Um, He's in London, and he was in the hospital on life support since April. While he attempted the TikTok trend known as the Blackout Challenge. That's where users hold their breath as long as they can, often until falling unconscious. The basic idea of the Blackout Challenge is that the person posting it is supposed to hold their breath until they pass out. Come on, y'all. Online challenges like this are extremely dangerous. I mean, cutting off the source of oxygen to the brain, permanent brain damage, and it has resulted in many children dying. Like that choke challenge they had with somehow these kids was tying ropes and stuff around their neck and bringing themselves to the brink of death and hoping to come back. You know how many people died doing that? You know how many people, grown people died doing that? We got to watch what our kids are doing on social media. Now, get me wrong, I'm not blaming the parents. But we really got to watch and just be vigilant about what our kids are doing. Here's the, a 12-year-old who has lost his life. His family went to court because they were fighting to stop to have him taken off of life support. They lost the fight. And the kid was taken off of life support. Well, he died shortly after that. Because this blackout game is like the 2008 choking game. And 82 kids died from that. And that's just the 82 we know about. Now, the difference in the chokeout game is that um, it's posted to media instead of just you know, being played alone or with friends. But this blackout challenge is like a party game for kids. Man, they they, they got to start regulating some of this stuff. We got to watch our children better. These kids don't know no better. They think they they think you get shot, you're going to get up and walk away like it happens in the movies and on cartoons. But that's not real life. This boy is gone. He is gone. And there's nothing that can be done about that. We can't erase this and have a do-over. It's done. TikTok needs to really watch what they're doing, especially since they know so many children are on their platform. Instead of stealing dance moves from black people, you need to be wondering about these challenges that are being posted on the board. Like I said, kids are dying and adults are too, trying these things. That's crazy. That's really crazy. I feel sad for the parents. So we're going to send love and light and prayers and blessings to his family over there across the pond. we got to watch our babies. we got to protect our kids. All right, guys, i got an update for y'all. Now, remember that pregnant Texas woman that went back and forth with the cop about the speeding, about the uh, ticket that she got riding in the HOV lane and the baby is a person, blah, blah, blah? Well, she had her baby. (laughs) On August 6th, she had a baby girl. Everything went well. Mom and baby are fine. 
And um, she says, we're so in love and we'll be spending all of our time loving on baby girl. <laughs> there still isn't any outcome as far as whether she won the fight about the ticket. She was supposed to go to court on July 20th, but that date has been rescheduled. So I'm going to keep up with this because we really need to find out if she wins that or not. I think she should with all the new laws going around and people saying this and people saying that. I don't see why she can't win. But I'm going to keep up with this, like I said, and I'm going to let y'all know. I got a local follow-up. Now, y'all know, y'all remember hearing about that um, dean at Boston High School that shot that, that kid in the back of the head. He in jail now because they found him guilty. Well, um, the students used to call him Red. Well, he's been ordered by a federal judge to pay more than $10 million in damages to a former student he was convicted of trying to kill in a dispute over drug sales. Sean Harrison was his name, a former dean at Boston High School. Um, the default judgment um, was last Friday against former English high school dean Sean Harrison includes $7.5 million in damages for pain, suffering, and emotional distress, $2.5 million in punitive damages, and more than $80,000 for the victim's medical bills. Now, that was back in 2008 when he got convicted of that. He got 26 years in prison. Now, this, this dude had a background as a community organizer, a youth, mini youth minister, he was, and he was the dean of academics. I mean, that's a job that requires him to mentor students. And you out here being a drug supplier, you're not mentoring students. You got these students out here selling drugs for you. And then something went wrong. And you had the nerve, point blank range, to shoot this kid in the back of his head. Barely killing, barely missing, killing him. Barely missed the brain stem, they said, and his carotid artery. But it shattered his jaw. He had, went, he had two surgeries, has his jaw wired shut for nine months, and he still, to this day, remains paralyzed in half of his face and suffers from facial neuropathy, hearing loss, and he requires weights on his eyelids to help with opening and closing his eyes. You jacked that boy up. I think you deserve more than 26 years of being paying out more than $10 million, even though I'm sure the kid's not going to receive a dime because you don't have a dime to give. But this just ensures that Mr. Uh, Harrison, don't make no money off this story. You can write books all you want. That money goes to him. You can do movies all you want. That money goes to him. You can do interviews all you want. That money goes to him. So suffice it to say, I doubt we'll be hearing anything from Mr. Harrison because that money will go to that kid because that's where it deserves to go. This is, this is terrible. These are the people that we have that are supposed to be taking care of our children. They're supposed to be teaching our children. And he got our children out there selling drugs and then had the nerve to try to kill them. <laughs> Ain't that nothing. You know, that's, that really disgusts me. And you know what else is disgusting? Can you all believe, again, they have arrested mysticals behind for rape? This is the third time. Now, this dude is a fool. The first time they jacked his butt up and convicted him, he got six years. 
The second time, you know, they dropped the charges. They didn't have no evidence. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, in 2003, he pleaded guilty to sexual battery and extortion and was sentenced to six years in prison. In 2017, he was again arrested for rape, held in custody for nearly two years because he couldn't post bond. Now, you would think that this dude had, was dripping with some money because he had hit records. But that's the music industry, and that's another podcast. Anyway, he was arrested again in 2017 for rape. And like I said, the charges were later dropped due to lack of evidence. What in the ham sandwich is wrong with him? Why is it that he can't keep his stuff together? What Mystico is going to find is himself in prison for the rest of his life. And this will probably be the case that does it. I don't know what's wrong with men sometimes. He is a daggone fool. I can't even believe. You know what? I'm not even going to go there because that's just going to make my head hurt. But it's ridiculous. They don't give mystical life. And if they prove that he did it, that's what he should get. Life and castration. And some psychotherapy. You need some help, brother. You need some help. That's ridiculous. what you've been waiting on, the opinionated moment of the week. Meghan Markle was the victim of a problem much bigger than her own life. Her marriage to Prince Harry was entered into either with ignorance about how the royal family works. I mean, because it's hard to see cold reality through a romantic fairy tale. And I mean, because your in-laws always put on a friendly face at, a, at the start anyway. Or was it a hope that an antiquated institution was ready for the real change that she represented? Well, the disaster that resulted, as far as I'm concerned, is the result of the institution. And all those rigid inside players who set the rules of what Marco referred to as the firm, the monarchy was never ready to change. That wasn't even a thought. They weren't trying to hear that. And someone like Marco with her big ideas, her feminism, her go-get-em spirit, she never had a chance against such an antiquated power. I mean, it's a shame that the narrative around Meghan continues to be hostile in the British press and on social media. Long after she had moved out of Britain and stepped down from her royal duties, along with her husband, Prince Harry. Ever since they moved to the U.S., several great things have changed for Meghan and Harry. And one of them is that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are now parents of two. Archie, their son, and Lilibet, their daughter. Congratulations, Duke and Duchess! That's cool, right? Anyway... I mean, you got to think about it. Megan was an outsider, an American, stepping into a system, <laughs> unaware not just of how to curtsy before the queen, 
but of the need to curtsy in the first place. She didn't even realize that she had to curtsy to the queen. She was completely thrown off that Prince Harry curtsied to the queen. She said, but that's your grandmother. He said, but no, that's the queen. That's just, you know, she's out of touch on that part. Add to the fact that she's a woman of color, perhaps the first to be introduced to the Lily White Windsors. I mean, did you see Oprah's eyes pop out of her head when Megan revealed that an unnamed member of the royal family had fretted about the baby's skin tone? And that was about baby Archie before he was born. Somebody made a comment about how dark his skin would be. They never did say who it was, but I have a pretty good idea who I think it was. All right, let me just give you a quick overview of the um, interview. It started with Megan and Oprah talking, you know, just amongst themselves. Megan said she felt unprotected by the royal family. Even after they promised her that they would protect her from the fake news of the UK at tabloids, Marco still felt that the royal family was more willing to protect other members of the family over her and her son Archie. Which leads to another huge aspect of the controversy. Marco shared that the color of Archie's skin when he was born was brought up as a problem with older members of the royal family. Now, as I said, she never identified who. And she also shared that she had become suicidal. And she even told her husband that she no longer wanted to be alive. I mean, these British tabloids was just going in on her. Every little thing she did, they felt that they needed to hype it up. I mean, she was front page news every day. And it was negative. All negative. All negative. After, you know, her and Oprah talked a little bit, then, you know, Prince Harry came out and he joined him. And he confirmed everything that she had said, stating that he had talked to members of the family and they said that they were not allowed to get help for Megan. He also shared that he, him and his father weren't that close anymore and they, they, they really weren't actually speaking at the time of the interview. Um, he also said that his father and his brother are still trapped within the royal family's unethical rules. Now the couple also mentioned that they wanted to still practice their royal duties but from a distance. But after moving out of the country their privileges were revoked and no more security was provided for them. They were stripped of some things and it was don't let the door hit you on your way out. Now what let, brought me to look at this situation a little more closely were the comments that were left on the post on different platforms, multiple posts. Just some of the comments that ranged from how Megan's feelings were all an act to some. I mean, they thought that she was lying and putting on about being suicidal and just about how she felt and the things that had happened over there. People literally called her a liar. And they said that they were even surprised that some people even believed it. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, just completely filled with hate comments. All right, so now the Duke and Duchess, they're showing us their custom chicken coop, and, you know, their family walks along the beach. 
and Megan wore, an, I mean, that was a beautiful dress she wore. But it was a $4,700 Armani dress. I mean, that kind of knocks you around on the little sympathy thing if you know people looking at it like that. That kind of makes them, I mean, it just dwindles your sympathy levels. But in reality, Harry and Megan, they're probably neither as callous as their critics say. And I'm sure they're not as innocently virtuous as they portrayed themselves on Oprah either. I mean, the British existence does sound miserable. As it is likely for all the royals, I mean, the British tabloid press sounds like the Hollywood paparazzi jacked up on dangerous levels of steroids. I mean, them people over there talk about you. I thought they talked about you in the States, but across the pond, they really let you have it in them tabloids because they was letting her have it. But you know, the Sussexes are also wise, and they were pretty crafty about their exit. And they always seem to have a business strategy of parlaying their massive celebrity into cash. They just good with that. They just good with that. They, everything they touch, they're going to try to make it turn into gold. Now, when they first announced that they left the Royals, this was like before the pandemic, they secured a trademark for a Sussex Royal brand to go on books, apparel, you know, things like that. But like I said, they were strict. So they were stripped of that. So now they launched something new called Archwell. Now, Marco suggested that all of them that lived through the pandemic lockdown now understand a taste of her suffering. Uh, Megan, no. No, no. Um, there are certain aspects of the pandemic lockdown that we do not relate on. I mean... I wasn't able to take refuge in a mansion or a castle or nine bedrooms, 16 bathrooms, 72 kitchen, $350,000 acre property. So uh, I don't think we were feeling the same during the pandemic. Now, the Oprah interview seemed to uncover a lot of characteristics of the royal family that the public had never seen. The couple shared that the color of Archie's skin was going to be an issue and that it might cost him his royal protection. And this was extremely important to the, the Duke and Duchess, of course. I mean, the safety of their kid could be at risk. That is Prince Harry's son. Who wouldn't want a shot at that if they could? There's some crazy person out there now plotting it. I mean, didn't they steal Lindbergh's baby? So being rich and famous just really puts you out there. You know, I think it's incredibly sad, though, how many people left hate comments about Megan after she came out and shared that she had mental illness and that she was scared to be left alone because she was afraid of what she might do to herself. I mean, for you to sit there and listen to her on that interview, how could you put some of the hate-filled things that some of these people put. I mean, I don't think she would lie about being suicidal. I mean, there's other things she could have hopped on. She didn't really need to add that in for measure if it wasn't true. I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, none of us know, none of us common folk 
know what it's like to be hounded by the paparazzi. We can go out all day, every day. Nobody sticks a microphone in our face, flashing camera bulbs, trying to see what we're doing, screaming, screaming, screaming. Nobody does that to us. We're not important like that. So we don't know that life. We don't know what that could do to a person. We don't know what that could do to your mental illness, to your psyche. We don't know. We're not in that position. We've never felt that. So we can't judge her. And there was a lot of judging going on in these comments. A lot of people think Harry didn't want to leave the royal family. You know, they believe Megan pushed him into it, and he just didn't want to do this. But, I mean, apparently y'all are looking past all the times where, the, where Harry states that the rest of the family is trapped. Believe me, he wanted out. He wanted out. This was not her bright idea. Well, it might have been her idea. But he went along with it because that's what he wanted. Because if that's not what he wanted, then they'd still be across the pond. Or not married. I think no one should have to, you shouldn't have to struggle. Especially if Harry and Meghan are unlikely to inherit the throne. What is the big deal? They will never sit on the throne. I mean, we have to have a serious catastrophe because we have to wipe out seven, eight people before. And that includes women and children before they were even in line for the throne. And that starts with Harry. Hey, Megan won't be queen. Megan won't be queen ever. And I mean, if they're happy living in Los Angeles, that's all that matters. Let these people live. I mean, if this was a random family where one member was suicidal, because the family was keeping them locked up and refusing them to receive treatment, will people react the same way? If this was just some random Joe Smuck, will people react the same way? No. You'd be ready to burn them at the stake saying how they need to get them help and that's not right. And, but because it's Meghan Markle, it's all right to smash her. A black woman, it's all right to go ahead and smash her because she has no business in the world family anyway. That's where a lot of that comes from. That's where all that hate comes from. People who think that she had no business in the royal family anyway. Too bad, too late, she's there. And even if they were to get a divorce tomorrow, God forbid, hopefully they will see this till death do them part. She's still part of it. She will still go down in history as being the first black woman married into the immediate royal family. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. The situation that Harry and Meghan were put into was very difficult. And yeah, that interview did make it worse. I mean, the couple, according to what they were saying, they weren't told any of the questions beforehand, and they didn't get paid. But they still agreed to do it. Now, unfortunately, that just caused more backlash and just promoted worse publicity for them. They just really went to smash them. They really went to smashing then. Ooh, excuse me with that microphone. I almost took my hearing out. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that these people that are randomly commenting on these posts stop the verbal abuse. Stop. I think we're a little bit too invested in their lives anyway. Let them people live. Let them people live their way. They're not bothering you. Let the couple live their life in America with Archie and their new baby girl, Lilybeth. And stay out the royal family business. You are not part of the royal family.
Alright, that's it, y'all. I'm gonna let that go right now. I'm gonna let that go just like that. That's it for the week. We're gonna call it a wrap. Y'all need to talk to me like I said, I talk back. Opinionated by Design Podcast at gmail.com. Find me on social media at Opinionated by Design. And check out our website. Right now, I'm working on some new content for the website for y'all, so hopefully I can have that up by next week. And that's opinionatedbydesign.com. Again, fam, I thank you for joining me for another week of Opinionated by Design. It's been fun. It's been really interesting. Y'all have a good week. Ladies, keep it classy. Dudes, keep your swag on. <laughs> I'm just being silly now, y'all, because I'm tired. It's 1.25 in the morning. I'm acting like I don't have to go to work. I have things to do. All right, y'all. Well, I'm going to sign off for this week. I ain't going to even hold y'all no more. So until next week, bye.